I'm Oshita Moore, PAX's spiritual director. A few weeks ago, I was helping my husband clean out our basement because we're in the middle of a pandemic and that is what you do when you're confined to your home. I came across a box of journals from my 20s and early 30s and while my husband actually cleaned, I sat and read the entries. All of them are so full of angst and questions. And I just shook my head and thought, if only I could go back and sit with younger Oshida, I'd do three things. One, tell her an encouraging story. Two, offer her some questions to journal or process with others. And then three, pray for her. This is a podcast for the questioners. The ones who are like me, trying to find their way in the in-between. In between youth and adulthood, in between college and whatever's next, (laughs) and in between faith shifts. Wherever you are, my friend, welcome. Maybe you can learn from what I would say to younger me. This episode is sponsored by PAX, a new peacemaking nonprofit committed to promoting the peace of Jesus in the 21st century. Dear younger me, I'm looking at these journals and I am seeing a common theme. I see it almost every week. You bring up this deep sense of loneliness. You don't know who you belong to. You don't know where you belong. You feel like everybody has deep, rich, life-giving connections and you don't. You miss seasons of your life where you knew who loved you and you had clear ways of spending time with them and in every season and every transition, the whole concept, the whole idea of investing in friends and making friends feels so overwhelming. I'm watching you process your own sense of self-worth your own sense of personality and preferences. I see you questioning whether or not you are a good friend or worthy of friendship. In short, my friend, I see that you're lonely. And I see that in some seasons of your life, some seasons of our life, (laughs) we knew exactly how to respond to that loneliness because of Things like school or work, very easy remedies, very easy rhythms to fall into to connect with others. But then I see in other seasons, like right after we had the kids, after every single cross-country move, we didn't know how to find our relational equilibrium. We didn't know how to ask for what we want because we maybe even didn't know what we wanted. If I could sit with you, I would tell you that sometimes loneliness is a part of life. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us. It's an indicator that we are craving connection. And then I would tell you sometimes we have to take steps to deal with our loneliness. Loneliness 
for many of us, as we're listening to this, when we think of loneliness, we think of the past year we just had, the year of the pandemic, where between isolation, between social distancing, maybe even between getting the virus ourselves, we have felt this intense sense of loneliness, isolation, separation from other people. And for many of us, we did that because we wanted to be good neighbors. We self-inflicted social distancing to ourselves because we wanted to model the sacrificial love of Jesus. We wanted to, to do our part in flattening the curve, preventing the spread, whatever quotable quote or memeable meme you can think of. But we were made for relationship. God is a relational God. The Bible has this really beautiful picture of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Theologians call this the perichoresis. But it's this picture of God in relationship, indwelling love, interconnectedness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity. We see that Jesus deeply loved the Father and prayed to the Father. And then we see in Jesus' life, he lived out that relational quality in building deep, life-giving friendships. Yes, he was their Lord, and yes, they were his disciples, but they were also his friends. There's even a scripture where Jesus said, I call you my friends. There's nothing wrong with having a deep longing for connection. We're wired that way. Even the most introverted person is wired for deep connection. And so it's been really hard. This past year, it's been really, really difficult to know how to have friends, how to meet those relational needs, how to address our loneliness. I was reading a Harvard study and Robert Waldinger, a professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and Mass General Hospital, had a lot to say about loneliness. He talks about loneliness as an inertia, like a way of getting stuck in thought cycles, um, thought patterns and cycles and rhythms that reinforce our loneliness or reinforce our perception of loneliness. Waldinger says, being alone and lonely can result in an emotional inertia. And it means it will take a force of will to reach out. Waldinger also says, it might help to first reach out to a friend who you think might also be lonely. I have found that, that owning my loneliness, acknowledging my loneliness, and saying, I am made for a relationship and I don't have enough relational connection right now has been one of the most empowering ways to sort of claw my way out of that inertia. And I look back at these journal entries and I see that there were specific moments in my life where I took the relational bull by the horns. It's not very PETA friendly, I know. <laughs> And made decisions and was honest about what I needed in my relationships. 
Waldinger goes on to say that research has shown that human connection is a big way to get through tough times. And we don't do nearly as well isolated as we do together. It's scientifically proven. It's theologically true. And you know it as you're listening and thinking about your own sense of loneliness that, yeah, we were made for a relationship. We are better together. So how do we take the relational bull by the horns? We're just going to go with it. (laughs) How do we take steps to deal with our own loneliness? Well, I want to tell you about something that I did when we moved to St. Paul. So we have lived all over the country. And when we moved from Los Angeles, where I had really beautiful close friendships, to St. Paul, Minnesota, where we really didn't know anybody and we were coming into a church context where there was a lot of pain and trauma around relationships and so we wanted to be intentional about caring for those people well and making space for them to process their pain and so we moved to St. Paul, Minnesota and we were trying to figure out how to love this church community really well and one of the things that I just absolutely love is I love to cook for my friends I love to make my favorite dishes and drop them off when they have you know they're having a bad day or it's coming towards the end of the month and they have a ton of bills and they're just eating ramen it's my favorite thing to do is to bring a home-cooked meal to some somebody that can't cook for themselves for whatever reason but I also really really love to host people I really love to have people over and to set the table, make a big meal, light some candles, turn on some jazz, and just have a dinner party. So when we got to St. Paul, the first thing I did was got our house situated, got the kids into their rhythm, and then I paid attention to my relational needs. I knew that I would be experiencing some version of loneliness. It's natural when you move to a new location. Loneliness is natural in transitions. Transitions are hard because you're moving from one normal to a different normal. And as you are doing that, some of the things that worked in that first normal are not going to work in your new normal. And relationships are very similar. The relationships I had in Los Angeles would not work in my new normal of St. Paul, Minnesota. So I knew that loneliness was going to be a part of it. But I wanted to do my best to address, as Waldinger describes, that inertia, that getting stuck in the mire of loneliness. So I reached out to several friends and invited them over for what we called Supper Club. Supper Club uh, was a group of seven women. I knew some of them from just online, just being online. And so I was excited to finally be moving into the same city as them. And then we could spend time together. Some of them were church members. Of, they, they were people at, at our, in my church that I just clicked with when we first moved here. And so I thought, well, great, let's try to 
get to know each other better, why don't you join Supper Club? For me, being the one to organize Supper Club was so helpful in me stopping that inertia. I didn't wait for somebody to ask me to be a part of their supper club or join their book club or anything like that. I was the one who went first. And sometimes we have to be the ones that go first. Sometimes it's smarter to go first, to be the one to, to organize something that you love and say, who wants to come alongside and do this? Like for instance, for my 38th birthday, I really wanted to do a TED Talk party. I love TED Talks and I love learning new things and I love when people are passionate about what they what they know. And so for my 38th birthday, I planned a TED Talk party. I asked everyone to prepare a short two to three minute PowerPoint of whatever it is that they're passionate about and to come and share it at my TED Talk party. Don't bring a gift, bring a talk. And it was so fun. I did a talk on why Falcor is the best dragon in all of literature. And if you don't know who Falcor is, he's the luck dragon from Never Ending Story. There you go. That's your Saturday afternoon homework. Get your life right. Watch Never Ending Story. Sometimes when we're lonely, my friend, we have to be the ones to go first, to take that first step, to be vulnerable and build relationships. Maybe it might look like inviting people over when it's safe for supper club. Maybe it looks like being the one who says, I will get the paid Zoom, okay? Like, I will spring for the paid Zoom, and let's all jump on and watch something together or do check-ins or play a board game. Or There are so many ways to connect over Zoom. Just Google it. But the thing is, loneliness is one of those emotions that is really easy to get sucked into because it's based on a perceived sense of less than, a perceived sense of rejection, and a perceived sense that everybody is doing better or connecting better than you. And so I'm going to offer you three journal prompts to work through those emotions so that you have the confidence to be the one that says, I'll go first. I'll plan something first. You see, before I give you these prompts, I just want to share with you that Supper Club was so good for everyone in that group because all of them were feeling lonely to some extent, but they didn't they didn't have the time or the energy or the idea to gather together. And I can't tell you how many people in that group messaged me privately or said at at said it over over the dinner table. I'm so glad that we were doing this. I, I needed this. This was important for me. When we go first, we give other people permission to be vulnerable, to acknowledge their need for connection. And I will tell you that Supper Club went on without me for several months. I had to take some time off. And those women continued meeting and having meals together and continued texting and caring for each other. Some deep, close friendships were made in that group. So, let's address some of the internal struggle that we have that prevents us from going first. So the first question that I have for you to journal is, what does loneliness feel like for you? Everyone feels loneliness. 
a universal feeling, but we all experience it differently. So you have to know what loneliness feels like for you. Do you feel sad? Does it, do you feel angry? Do you feel regret? Do you feel bitterness? Do you snack more or you don't eat at all? Are you hyper aware of your surroundings so you clean more or you just have no energy and you just want to lay around and just watch Netflix all day? What does loneliness feel like for you? Take some time to journal through that or talk to someone. You need to know what your, what your triggers are, how it feels in your body so that you can begin to address it. What does support, love, or community mean to you? What does it feel like for you? And then write about a time that you did feel connected. You see me going back through these journals and remembering Supper Club and, and also remembering the other times in other cities where I've done something similar really helped me understand one, that loneliness is natural. There is no shame in experiencing loneliness. But two, it helped me see how I have felt connected so I can then replicate some version of that where I am. For me, community feels like having someone to text when I need prayer. Community feels like a really encouraging or sweet gift. Community feels like seeing someone in my everyday life. Whether it's I see them at the grocery store or we go for a walk together. Um, if I have to, you know, schedule you out three weeks from now, that doesn't feel as intimate and close um, as I would want it to be. So community feels like access, proximity. What does community mean to you? What does support look like to you? What does that mean to you? You know, I talked about being able to text somebody when I need prayer. What would support look like and feel like for you? Go ahead and write that down or discuss it with someone. Next thing is the next journal prompt is create your own positive relational affirmations. So one of the things about loneliness is that that inertia happens when we get stuck in thought processes of we're not good enough, no one loves us, everybody is connecting more than us. So I want you to write down some affirmations that speak to not only your worthiness, your belovedness, but also the everydayness, the normalness of loneliness. 
the first affirmation is, I am lonely, but I will not always be lonely. That's an example of an affirmation. I am lonely right now, but I will not always be lonely. Another affirmation is, I am loved by myself and by others. Another affirmation idea is, emotions are temporary and it's okay for me to be sad right now, but I will not always be sad. It's very similar to the lonely one. Another affirmation is, I am a good friend. I have been a good friend and I will be a good friend. And then one thing that I always tell myself is that I tell myself, everyone is hurting. Everyone is hurting. I wish I could wave a magic wand and say, you will never be lonely again. That's not the case. That's not true. Like I said, loneliness almost always comes with transitions. So let me pray for you and your loneliness. May you know that Jesus, who is our friend, loves you, delights in you, and sees you. May you know how your heart comes alive in connecting with others. And may you know that you have the ability to be honest about what you want. And may you feel connected, seen, known, and in community. Amen. It is not being needy to ask her what you want and to be the one who says, I'll go first. It's actually being a really emotionally intelligent person. So why don't you practice peacemaking for yourself and take steps to address your loneliness? If anything that you heard in this podcast today encouraged you and you're more interested and practicing peace for yourself, between God and others, I would encourage you to head over to our website at madeforpacks.org and join our Paxmaker email list. You will receive weekly inspiration and just have an inbox full of beautiful resources that will help you follow Jesus. And then also come over on Instagram at madeforpacks. There there'll be weekly inspiration in the form of lives and beautiful graphics and encouraging prompts so that you can continue to follow Jesus. All right, friends, take care. Be the first ones to say yes. We'll see you next time.